You know what that sound means. Welcome back to Just the Tip-Off, the NBA podcast that has decided to mutually part ways as the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. It was mutual. Yep, it was definitely mutual. I, just like every girl that's uh, ever broken up with me, we did it mutually. <laughs> that's why you specifically said you broke up with me. That's, yes. That's how that worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick Carlisle mutually broke up with the Dallas Mavericks. Right, definitely. It, it, it's one of those things where, like, because I'm a gentleman, I let her do it, even though it was mutual. Right. Chivalry's not dead. Exactly. It's it's one of those things you just kind of let go. So, um, is there anything even really happening in the NBA? Do we, do we have anything to talk about? Uh, should be a pretty quick one, man. Oh, wait, no. We, we did have a few things happen. Oh, yeah. Yep. Trey Young is the league's best post defender, standing up to Giannis in the post. I'm going to ignore that. I misspoke the game last night. Okay, well, so I was playing ball ball down one. on one possession. It was Trey, uh, Giannis guarded by Trey Young in isolation on the post, and Trey Young forced him to take an off balance shot, and he missed. I, you know, I, I, you say that. I don't know if it's he necessarily forced or if Giannis just does that because he was um, same situation against Brooklyn. You. Kyrie was guarding in the post, and instead of turning into the basket like he did every time against Jeff Green. He spun away and took a, you know, a fadeaway and foot jump shot off one foot. And I'm sorry, that's not wow. your shot. You're wow. not. Wow. Twitter's right. There are a lot of Trey Young haters on this earth. <laughs> wow. Just, uh, I mean. All right. So let's just jump into it. Dude's got a good floor. Uh, uh, we are currently in the uh, conference finals round of the uh, NBA playoffs. Right. Um, I know I, I wasn't here last time. You guys uh, were here partway through the second round. We want to wrap up the second round and uh, we'll and move on. We had uh, we were watching game four of the Denver Nuggets series when Jokic got ejected on. Let's be honest, a weak flagrant two, definitely a flagrant one, but a weak flagrant two, and oh. Denver ended up losing that, so they lost the series in four. I, I think. Um, I think you know from watching it, and granted, this is a Suns fan. I think if he would have like after doing it, like, sort of been, like, sorry or, like, not yelled at the refs about, like, making the call, he, they might have sold it to a flagrant one. But the fact that, you know, after after it happened, he then got mad at the player who he fouled and then yelled at the refs. It really... He was yelling at Devin Booker. Yeah, it, it, yeah, was stepping up for campaign. Right. It, it, it's, it's one of those after things... After getting flicked on the nose. It, it, it's one of those things where I think his reaction after is really what uh, sold it. And, you know, he was... Already well on the way to being swept, and there's got to be a lot of frustration. He, there. He, yeah, his admittance of I wanted to make it a foul, mm-hmm. and I definitely understand where they were coming from. He wanted to be a physical tone setter, if you will, right? To kind of change the pace of the game. Coming out and saying that after the fact kind of bolstered the ref's argument for why it was a flagrant two, right? Which also I think him saying that was a good look rather than being rather than you know. Pulling down to some of the other players do be like, I don't even think it was a foul. Like, how many times has someone had a super was, hard foul? And it was like, a soft foul. I will give him. It that. was a soft flagrant two. It was a hard foul. It was a hard foul, and right. like he just he got him on the nose a little bit. Yeah. Other than that, the rest of it was all ball. And <laughs> like, like like I said, I he think misses the nose. I, I mean, you may you might get called on a, a foul in general there, I, but I, I, I think the aggra- I think the aggression afterwards is what really bumped it from a one to a two. It made it look way more intentional. Yeah. Right. It did. It did. Yeah. Um, and also, at that point, if you're the refs, 
you know, I'm not saying it was a great call, but if you're the refs, there's also the aspect of, you know, if we don't like set the tone here that this won't fly at the end of this game can get really ugly because I think at that point the game wasn't over, but it wasn't not over and the series was over. And so yeah. they're just trying to get out. Yeah. I mean, we all, I mean, we kind of knew that when Jamal Murray went down the ceiling for the Denver Nuggets, down significantly as well. And Michael Porter Jr. had a bad series. I would say he had a, a pretty decent series. And in the, in the beginning, the first round, they were able to plow through the Blazers, who, let's be honest, their defense isn't anything to, to worry about. But you, but you, it did show flashes of what the players could do on offensive. He, he, he's, also, he's also in the playoffs without Murray there, the clear-cut number two option. And I think moving forward, if he can be the number two option and uh, Murray can be the third option and facilitator, I think that's a better look for teams. That makes sense. I could see that because that is definitely a power dynamic that doesn't get considered on a lot of teams who have arguably three good role, like good players. And I think the Bucks are almost kind of a, uh, a prime example of that too because at, at some points I'm like, all right, is it Giannis and Chris Middleton and then Drew Holiday? Other nights it's like, no, it's Giannis and Drew then Chris Middleton and Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's Mills in first, but it's never yeah. Holiday first. I would say last, in the past, night, last holiday. night, Holiday was, I think, a little bit better than Middleton. I think, yeah. I think what helped. No, but I, but yeah. it's always Giannis or Middleton first. Yeah. Oh, right. no, no, yeah, no, it's yeah. Giannis always first, then Drew. There are some nights, not in the playoffs, but in the regular season, there are some nights where like Middleton goes out and is like, this is my team tonight, right? And yeah. I, I, how much of that do you think is just like morale? Or even maybe Giannis is like, hey, man. Oh, you tonight? I, I had a really tough workout today. I'm kind of sore. <laughs> yeah. You got to load manage in like, a smart way. I think what helps the Bucks though, is that you have three relatively, not veteran, but older players versus you have Jamal Murray and Michael Jr. are both, what, three years into the league? Jamal's so, five. five already? Jamal's been about the league for almost as long as Giannis. I think joined in the 18, when he was an eight, uh, at 18 from Kentucky. Right. And like 23 they, now? Basically, yeah. He's like 23, 24 almost. Yeah. Uh, Nikola Jokic, same. They are just so young, but still have some experience. Which right. Makes them dangerous as hell. Um, and if they what, unfortunately, you got to. I hate to bring this up, but it's like, look at the offseason. Right. Look how many games they like had to play within a certain amount of time. Right. No. And it's, it's unfortunate because yeah, I, I, I get what, why they had to make the rule, like, make, make the decision. What, 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 who were. Who were the first two teams eliminated from the playoffs? The Heat and the Lakers. What did the Heat and Lakers have in common? Well, no, technically the Grizzlies. Technically the Grizzlies. Okay. Were eliminated before the Lakers. Right. But but like you know what what did, what did those teams have in common? A seventy-one day offseason, right? Um, you know, not not I don't want to pivot away from the uh, Nugget series, but just uh, make a point and you say like teams that have a hard time knowing who the clear second and third option are. Yeah. That's one thing that everyone said would be a problem, and I think we actually really have to commend specifically James Harden for it, because James Harden said, no, 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 I'm going to be the facilitator, and I'll score when I have to. Yeah. But his scoring numbers are way down, all the way down to like 24 points a game, which sounds crazy, but is like actually a big <laughs> step a down. What a bum. And, and, you know, you can tell he's going out there, and he goes, can I make a play? For Kyrie and uh, Katie, and then he does keep the defense honest. We're like, oh, okay, they're taking away my play from Katie and Kyrie. I can still score. Just drop a three right. ball on their but head, or you know, I, I, you know, for as much talk as you know, especially the beginning of the season when he got fat and wanted out of Houston and like maybe didn't handle the situation the best way. A lot of people were talking about how selfish of a player he is, and did he? In my mind, he reversed that narrative. Yeah, he's like, 
I do what I have to when I have to. This is what it is basically. What it right. Does. And now you look at Houston and where they're at. Right. Um, so you, you can. And, and, and also understandable. And, and also, you know, I've worked a job I hate. Right. If I was contractually obligated to work a job I hate, unless they traded me to another company, wouldn't you kind of phone it in? <laughs> Which is one thing I think he's. Getting a lot of flack for it. he didn't get I think any MVP votes. I don't think he did got really any right. first team votes. What did he get? Second or third? He didn't make all NBA at all. No, at all. Which Kyrie made it over him. I mean, I get which Kyrie? Kyrie, Kyrie wouldn't. Kyrie don't wrong. Kyrie had a phenomenal season, but obviously, uh, uh, Kyrie is the only net that made it. KD played less than half the games. I get that. Yeah. Um, but I think Harden should be there before Kyrie. Period. I will agree you, there needs to be some kind of in the same breath I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth here but like you want to want a player to their best in a situation and understand that the team is realizing it's time to move on they'll move on but maybe he had he felt like he had to play in that way I feel like it was a conscious decision he didn't play up to par in Houston to facilitate the move to Brooklyn. I also, you know, other other players have for, played bad to force their way, force a trade to get off the team. Prime example, AD. Um, prime example, Paul George, right? But, you know, I part of the reason why I think this one was particularly, like, badly taken by uh, the entire NBA is because the year before, and we don't know how much truth it is, but the narrative was Harden Forced the management to blow the team up, right. and like bringing what they had, Chris Paul, they were right there, and he forced them to trade Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. That you know, with the way Chris Paul has been playing, in hindsight, that looked like a really bad trade, <laughs> right? Like, for and Houston, the back, they're like, so right? And so, and uh, and then on top of that, he forced them to move off of Capella to go to Rocco to go to small ball. In hindsight, that looks like a really bad trade, and I don't know how involved Harden actually was. I wasn't there, but you know. Optics and the narrative have always been Harden was unhappy, and to please Harden, they blew this team up, and then Harden had them blow the team up for him, and then got unhappy More and, sandbagged, uh, and sandbagged his way uh, through uh, the beginning of the season until they traded him to exactly where he wanted. And Houston also picked in that trade. Mm, let's not ignore the draft picks that they did. Sure, no, they got some draft picks, but like Garrett Allen moved and not Houston. Which is Chris, and then you, Chris Levert moved and not Houston. Decision, you got Oladipo who, for less than a half a season. Who you no you, longer have in your right. team. That's Houston's decision. They're like, no, we don't want Chris Levert. We'd rather have Victor Oladipo. Right. And, wow, what a decision well, that was. Well, especially because they're like, especially because the year before they'd been like, you know, we, we want to get off Russell Westbrook for uh, uh, John Wall. Again, in hindsight, awful fucking move. And it's one of those things where, like, again, don't know, but from the outside looking in, it looked like because Harden and Russell weren't getting along. Then, you know, I... I've, they were diametrically opposite players. I will say, after mm-hmm. Harden's uh, transition to Houston, he became a different player. When Russell came in, I think Russell Westbrook has always been the same type of player. He, his perception about the league has changed in the sense that he's now Mr. Triple-Double, this, that, and the other. He is an MVP a lot of people discredit a lot of, of that. And, however, the way that he plays the game is very much aggressive, in your face. I don't give a shit. 
if you're all, like if he's off the court when we're playing against you, I'm gonna try to take your head off. And even when you're playing with a guy like that, I think it takes a certain level of restraint to understand, hey, why are you taking all of these three point shots that you can't make? Right. What are you doing out there? Give me the ball. And I get it. I totally understand the frustration you must be feeling when you're you're watching a player do something you know he's not that, but it's part of his game and part of what he does that makes him that player. But that's got to be hard to work with. And I think James Harden, going from what he, where he was to what he grew into, definitely made those two players not work. Going into where he is now, I, I'm going on a bit of a rant on this one. Kyrie Irving and, Jay, and Kevin Durant are a, definitely a different caliber player. They care about efficiency more. Right. They care about a little bit more finesse to the game. Right. Not a brute force beat your freaking head, I'm going to try to drive at you every single play kind of player. Well, so, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give credit where credit to. As much as you said Russell Westbrook hasn't changed uh, who he is as a player, I think his mentality has stayed very rock solid through his entire career. I will say, and, it, you know, it took to the second half of the season, but in Washington, he did change his role a bit. He stopped taking those threes. He started deferring more. Yeah. And, you know, I, that's been one of my biggest gripes. You know, I'm on the record as a Russell Westbrook critic. And that's been one of my biggest gripes with him for most of his career. It's just like, why are you insisting to be the guy that takes the shot when you're actually like one of the worst guys on the court to take the shot, right? And, you know, uh, I think he definitely, uh, I don't know if it's a, co- I don't know if it's a coaching thing. I don't know if it's, uh, he matched with the team better. I don't know if he, someone finally taught him how uh, efficiency analytics works. Right, but like it's it's one of those things. I was thinking about Russell Westbrook the other day, and um, you know when like a good quality role player is above average at like one thing. Yeah. But then a superstar is average at a few. A superstar is like all star superstar is average at a few things and like elite at one thing. Yeah. And then when you get to like an MVP, that's someone who's like elite at several things. Mm-hmm. The thing about that makes Russell Westbrook hard is they're trying to, you know, he did win the MVP that year. They keep on trying to put him in the mold of like be the superstar and do the everything. And he's not great at any one thing except for rebounding as a point guard. He's one of the best rebounding point guards, really credit where credit too. But like he's just aggressively above average at just about everything, right? Except, uh, except for shooting threes. <laughs> I'd say he's still aggressive about shooting three sometimes. Yeah, but he's too. not aggressively above average. I mean, you know, just, just aggressive about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, I, uh, he's a great rebounder. Uh, he's a great playmaker, but his turnovers make it so that way. I'm not going to say he's, like, a uh, elite playmaker. He has a high volume of playmaking. He's got a great court I- IQ. It, no. He tries to push a lot of things that probably should not get pushed. Right. However, maybe... You're never making the highlight reel if you don't try. <laughs> like making the highlight reel is what it's important to them. Russell Westbrook's a great player. I don't think that's what's important to him, but I do appreciate <laughs> it. Some of the oh god, what a perfect ending! A perfect game. That was the dumbest shot ever. Uh, what, what, yeah, that was the dumbest shot yeah. ever. When, when, he, when he shot like a thirty-eight it. footer, it was amazing. Well, but also, how many times has Russell Westbrook taken that equally stupid shot? And miss them, and we just don't talk about them because highlight reels. Because it's so. I bought those orange jerseys totally because of totally. That shot. No, I, I'll give you I, when when he when he inevitably gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. Can't wait. Like that will be one of the iconic moments that is in Israel, <sighs> right? 
but like that, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like, as a, he's a great fan service player. He's not a player he that I would want to build a championship tickets. around. Right? He sells tickets, and that's something I think the entertainment industry doesn't capitalize on enough. Players like that, players who fill the seats, who people come out to watch, and yeah. Maybe his game isn't perfect. He's not the beautiful basketball, Spursian efficiency, whatever you want to call it, type player. But God damn it, if he doesn't make you want to watch. Um, this, has a, been, this has been how's a, Russell Westbrook. How do we go from talking about the Nuggets to an eight-minute tangent because, on because James Mace, Harden and Russell Westbrook? Because Mason and I haven't lived together for like over a month now, and so I have a lot of this pent-up pent Russell Westbrook energy. Yeah! Uh, and... The last thing I'll say, and we go back, and then we go back, is you're right. There are some games where, God damn it, does he make you want to watch? There are also some games where you're like, why the fuck am I watching this? <laughs> it is a coin. There's you are four. You are four of twenty-four with eight turnovers and still chucking up contested threes. God damn it, Russell Westbrook. Always not the next shot, man. <laughs> All right. Always. So going back to the Nets, or going back to even well before that, uh, uh, Nuggets, uh, Suns, Nuggets, Suns, where we started about thirteen minutes. Do we have beat the Nuggets. Yeah, in four. Yeah. And there's a guy who got punched repeatedly on the Nuggets, uh, one of yeah. the fans, and made a mean guy, and kind of five with his energy, so. Right. And that's that as well. All right. Other side of the board. Clippers, down 2-0. Don't give a fuck. Don't give a shit. That's kind of their thing. We're so, gonna... I'm Ty Lue's pulling the LeBron, I'm going to feel it out again, but he's, he's a little cockier. I'm, I'm going to feel out for two games. Two games, then we're going to run and train. then I'm going to bench our seven-footer who can't down for. But also, also like, you know, Paul George played really well in those games, and part of it is they really didn't let him touch the ball in the last two minutes, which was the right decision. And, like, Reggie Jackson and Nick Batum are, like, apparently, like, I okay. Think, I think I texted you guys. I'm okay. like, please tell me playoff <laughs> Reggie Jackson isn't going to be a thing. Right, right I, now it is. I, I don't want to believe it. It is a perfect storm of... The players who are going off... Okay, so let me just paint this picture for you. Terrence right? Mann with a 34-point game. Kawhi Leonard, Undrafted. as great as he is, draws a lot of, attention. I think, attention, but also expectations on the team as well. Like, if Kawhi's on your team, he's the leader. He's the best player on the team, so he should be the one to lead the way, take the most shots, do all this, that, and the other. As much as Kawhi can do that, these other players around him, Paul George... I, I, I won't say Zubox, but um, Paul George, uh, Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris are very much isolation players right. who are... Nick Batum, apparently. Nick Batum is a great, honestly, playmaking big, which I hate to say. They were right. playing him at the five. Yeah. He's, yeah. He can make a three-goal, too. So that, honestly, take Kawhi off this. Remember when he was dead in Charlotte? He like. Oh, well, because he kind of pulled, he kind of pulled a Grant and wasn't important enough to get the trade. Where he got that big contract, he's like, I don't want to be in Charlotte anymore. And uh, people like, you suck. Like, well, we're, we're not trade trading you. for a twenty. What was it? Twenty-six million dollar. Thirty. Thirty million. Thirty. Probably, it was. It was. A, it was a lot. Thirty for Fuck. Nicholas Batum. He apologized to the fan base because of how bad he was playing. And, he wasn't even. But he still took the money. What a he wasn't. Power move, honestly. Still took the money. Though. He wasn't even that good when he got in Portland, which was where he was before he got that contract. He wasn't even that good then. Yeah, they won that one series because Damian Lillard hit the shot. Can you imagine? You wake up in the middle of the night, 
someone is in your house and robbing you. And as they're robbing you, be like, I am really so sorry for the bad thing that I'm doing. But then continue to fucking rob you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you that's renegotiate. exactly what happened. You can renegotiate and adjust your contracts. <laughs> I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Don't take less money, but also, if you're robbing someone, like, <laughs> rob someone. Don't, ap- don't, apologize. don't apologize for it. <laughs> Which makes us wonder, makes me wonder what is going on in LA. I With the LA. The Clippers. The oh, Lakers are, uh, are out of the playoffs. Gotcha. So, for their purposes, like, what they're going with. How I mean, Rajon Rondo's on the court right now with Marcus Morris. Playoff Rondo. Playoff Rondo. They're finally playing Luke Kennard. They got Terrence Mann. They could use Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka's, I think, out for the rest of the season as well. um, They could have used him when they go to the small ball lineup, which they did to get back into the Jazz series because they made Rudy Gobert come outside the paint, and it just, he can't do it. That's like, and people have been saying you, you can play Rudy Gobert off the court, but and you kind of have to criticize Quinn Snyder about this. Is like, got to. I know he's the defense three-time defensive player of the year, but at some point you have to take him off the court, or or you have to be able to make an adjustment to your scheme where like. You're going to force the players into the paint right. so he can defend. Yeah. I don't care else. if you have to James Harden guard people from behind. Like there is a way to never. The, I I have full confidence that a NBA coach can ru- drop a rudimentary scheme where Rudy Gobert never has to leave ten feet from the basket. The zone. What? Yeah, I've never heard of those. I words. know. I know. Revolutionary. Weren't, weren't, weren't those illegal until the early two thousand? Which funny because they actually like. Were. Yeah. Uh, you're going to box in one, and uh, Rudy Gobert is going to be the one. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think uh, obviously Conley didn't play a lot of that series. Was hampered. Donovan Mitchell was kind of coming off an injury too. I mean, they had it. It was right, right there right. for the taking. Well, and you know, credit Ty Lue for adjusting you, the lineup. You can talk about not having Conley Utah. or Mitchell being uh, not 100. percent but, then, but, the game, went out but then the games where that was true were at the beginning of the series. Where they eventually <laughs> won. Right. Like, you know, Conley came back and looked really good at the end of the series. He did. He did. And, and Kawhi was out the last two right. games of the series. So the Jazz, let's, I want to talk about the Jazz for a second here. And I don't want this to get too deep in the weeds because we can go off on another tangent that I will touch on later. But Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell... Both great players. I will give them both that. However, if you could only pay one player a lot of money for the next five years, or four years even. We've done this before. Who would you pick? Okay. We've, so, done, we've, we've done this exercise four, four before. Four years and then it doesn't matter anymore because age is going to come into this equation. And, you know, I think Mitchell's argument gets a lot stronger because he's significantly younger. Yes. But if we're saying only this period and then you're not worried about the period after that, it's Gobert. I think I think you can replace what Mitchell does a lot easier than you can replace what Gobert does. You have literally said before this that a center is the most replaceable position in the NBA. Uh, yes. Uh, the reason why the center is the most uh, replaceable position in the NBA is there's maybe four of them that are absolutely elite, and the, a lot of the rest of them you can sort of plug and play. There's better and worse centers, but like you know, Miles Turner and Quick Cabela switch out. 
and that's not a very different team in Atlanta. You lose some boards, you gain some spacing, that's about it. But I, I get what you're saying because, like, but like, like Rudy Gobert is one of the. There's to me the four centers are Jokic, Embiid, Gobert, and Davis. And Davis not so much lately, but that's I think that's more of an injury thing than anything. So I'm not going to hold it against him. That's out of that's out of his control. Definitely Davis. However, like DeAndre Ayton is a great center. I put Ayton, but if I had to choose which of the core to extend, he is not near the top of the list. Well, you go Booker, obviously. uh, Obviously, Booker's already extended. I think that Bridges is up too. I I I, I think that uh, you got to look into extending Paul's weird because it can't be for long term, right? Like you're not getting Paul for the next five years, but like a, a three-year extension on Paul might be uh, worth taking the flyer on. Um, well, I'm talking about the Jazz right now, because sure. I think that... Right. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting sidelined, but that my point stands that, you know, unless you're one of the top elite uh, centers, you're pretty interchangeable. Okay, okay. So, here's the thing. An elite center is only as good as how far it'll get you. And unfortunately... An elite center has only gotten the Lakers to the chip. Right? Mm -hmm. So, of the ones that we've talked about so far, the only one that you could theoretically make the argument for, I think, is Anthony Davis. Rudy Gobert, as great as he is. Nikola Jokic, as great as he is. And maybe even DeAndre Ayton soon. Who was the other one that you named? Embiid. Embiid. Joel Embiid, as great as he is, cannot do it alone. So, the key being... Alone, you need to have a support system around him that, that, that can flourish. Sure. That's the underlying point I'm trying to make. Is do you think, that's, do you somebody, think that's not true about Donovan Mitchell? I think it's a little bit more interchangeable. You could have a, a less good center around Donovan Mitchell and still yeah. have semi-equal results. Okay, I think, well, it, I think if Donovan Mitchell were a top Mitchell. five shooting guard, I would think you're right. But I don't think Donovan Mitchell is to that elite status at his position, and I do think Gobert's to that elite status at his position. Fair. Donovan Mitchell is very good. No, but, like, you know, it's one of those things. Like, my, my concern is merely a concern at this point because what they did this season was great. I'm loving what I'm seeing from the Jazz. It's an exciting brand of basketball that they're running, and I hope they can continue to do it. What I'm afraid of is how it's going to affect their contracts going forward because they're going to pay Donovan Mitchell. They're going to pay Rudy Gobert. After that, they're really starting to limit who they can extend and who they got, which I – well, I understand it's the whole game. That's the game. Totally. The game within the game. But if they want to run it back, I think they could do so next year. Once you get past that, it gets a little hairy. Totally. Yeah, so, that yeah. was one thing I wanted to talk about. We'll touch on it later on contracts and things like that. But the Jazz had a great run this season. Yep. They ended up playing against the Clippers, lost the two, first two games. Well, the, the Clippers lost the first two games against the Jazz, and then the Jazz brought it back to two. Then I think they eliminated them in seven. Right? Yeah, it was yeah. seven. The full-on seven-game seven, uh, series, which is great. Love that basketball. But eventually, Kawhi went out in game, after game five or game six? Five, game five. It was after game five. Kawhi Leonard did not play because of a straight ACL. Right. So, Paul strain George. Strain injury, by the way? That's what, that's what the... Strain is muscle, sprain is ligament. Okay. Sprain. So he sprained. Resident doctor over here. Uh, he sprained his ACL. Uh, but... George got to be Indiana Paul George for a couple games, and that's what he did best. Like, that's what Remnant kind of got this conversation started of what got into the Clippers. Also, people forget how good Paul George was when he was the man. Right. When he doesn't have to worry about being in another person's shots for right. 
political reason, whatever it is, locker room, fine. He just panels into another type of player. And granted, yes, he's not the closer, but Paul, Paul George is phenomenal. I, he is probably the best player I wouldn't want to build a franchise with. <laughs> right? Like, uh, every every player better than him and a couple that are worse than him, I would be way more willing to build, uh, to build a franchise around. I, I feel that. I feel that. All right, shall we move to the East? Hawks? Six. Hawks. Both seven-game series over here, right? Yeah, yeah, fun. So, are we going to jump right into it? You cannot talk about Hawks Sixers without talking about Ben Simmons. Do we want to talk about some other things, or do we want to get right to the Ben Simmons uh, part of the argument? Do we want to get... I don't even think it's going to be an argument, because I think we're all going to be in uh, in agreement on that one. We're already in it. Well, yeah. Let's fuck this big. So, Ben Simmons, like, Ben Simmons, he's got 100% in uh, the fourth quarter of that entire playoff series. He shot a whopping three of three. And part of the reason is, every time he had the ball in his hands, they fell. Right? And so, you know, I'm then, pretty sure the three of three were all and one. Yeah. And then... And eventually got scared to death with the ball in his hands. Yeah. I mean, that one layup, he had a wide open dunk, a very crucial time in that Hawks, Hawks game. And instead, you dump it off to Matisse Thibault, who misses, is fouled, only makes one free throw, and the Hawks go on like a seven-point run. And it's, I think, this, me, this it's point not... right here is what's getting the brunt of this meltdown. However, I can't get over... I'll let you guys finish shitting on Ben Simmons here. I'll totally let that happen, because Ben Simmons, I don't have any loyalty to you. I understand you're a good player, you won Rookie of the Year, that's great. There's a, there's a few things, I have a couple tips for you. But continue going where, about your business, but let's not pinpoint the one collapse of no, this franchise I, I on this moment. No, no, no but, I, I agree. But here, here's what I'm going to say. Ben Simmons has one super exploitable flaw in his game. He's a very good player, but has one flaw in his game that is incredibly exploitable. And we've all known that this is a problem he has. And rather than improving, he's gotten worse. Yeah. And it's really free throws. It's one of the, th- it's one of the few things... You can just practice in a vacuum, right? You don't have to like, don't have to have a practice team around you to run like set defenses, but better at free throws. As somebody who's been recently, who's been practicing free throws for a competition where it specifically is to practice free throws, it is incredibly difficult. I'm not going to lie to do something on command when there's pressure involved. I, there's just a certain level of pressure to it. I think that we're not considering. Sure, I'm but not saying it, there isn't, but. 98% of the league weren't able to do it. I and be, how bad that would that make you feel if it wasn't easy for you to do? Totally. No, how no. bad would that feel? You're just like, what's wrong with me? Totally. Like, that's the one thing that I don't I, think I, I would fully But this, fully this is it. Like, you can say he's thinking that way, but he has given no one any indication that he is even trying Correct. to get better. Correct. Correct. It's, he it's doesn't not spend the fact that he, time on it. Yeah, it's not like the fact that team he practice, has I don't know what he does on his own, but at yeah. team practice, he shoots no free throws. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a well-documented yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, it's not the true. fact that he hasn't gotten better at it. It's the fact it's he just doesn't care. He doesn't put any effort into it. People have told a one of the best shooting coaches in the league has told him switch. JJ Redick has tried to tell him, and he still doesn't do anything about it. At this point, it's not... Oh man, you can't do it. It's it's his unwillingness and stubbornness to not even attempt to do it. He is a great player. He could be a phenomenal player if he had some sort of range. But 
It's the lack of even, I don't even effort think, I don't even to think even try it. I think that you you could get by and hide him in a defense not shooting threes. Me, the, you know, him not shooting threes, that's a problem in and of itself. If he still didn't shoot threes and was a 70% free throw shooter, Sixers are in the Eastern Conference Finals right now. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Um, it's almost as if, let's just say, for instance, it's the Russell Westbrook effect, where you know he's... You can't shoot threes, but you're trying to force him to shoot threes the whole time. And for some reason, if you try to foul him, he has to shoot a three. It's not a great. But no one No one is forcing Russell Westbrook to do this. Westbrook is at least taking the initiative to do it. Ben Simmons won't even take the initiative. Which is worse? Which is worse? To shoot the shot you know you're going to miss, or to not shoot the shot that you might make? Or. Which is worse? No, to answer me that. Yeah, you're right. Exactly what you're thinking is right. It is worse to take the shot that you know you. uh, you, It is worse to take a bad shot than to be forced into taking a bad shot. You're you're totally right. But uh, you know Russell Russell Westbrook like at least works on threes. And Russell Westbrook, you know, it's one of those things. Is Russell Westbrook? He's a bad three point shooter, but you know he's shooting. Let's call it thirty percent. Point nine points per possession. Yeah. In this uh, playoffs, okay, he so shot thirty percent, which is point six points per possession, and even worse than that in fourth quarters. Not great. And not it's one. Of, it, great. Uh, and so you know, my other. Uh, have you guys seen uh, Kevin O'Connor? He's apparently been saying it forever, and he just recently on uh, social media highlighted the fact of how long he's been saying it. That he thinks that um, Ben Simmons is right-handed. And has been and has just been shooting left-handed his entire life. <laughs> he, I have heard that him say that quite a bit. And he, he I saw a video he put together of like things where like you know like off the court he like he comes up he comes up to a menial task like to do something he's like oh he's opening a door which hand does he turn the doorknob with oh he's coming up and there's something on the ground he's gonna pick up which one does he pick it up with and it's never his left. And no. And it, like, and then when he dunks, when he the layups, and all that stuff, it's southern hand with his right hand. Yeah, uh, nothing with. Hey, having like a little yeah. stranger in the tub, buddy. You and know what I mean, I'm and another thing with Ben Simmons, and like we talk about the shooting and the free throws, and that's one thing. But how about just develop a? He's got one post move. Man, he could be so good in the post. He's got one post move, and that's it. He could be devastating the post. He plays in that. They hide him in that dunker spot all the time. But why not? When you get the ball, have a couple post moves. Like even working on that, it's just the and lack of development. It's not necessarily in, in their offense right now. I think what their offense is designed to be was contingent on Ben Simmons being able to just shoot the ball. Maybe, um, I don't know why he wasn't and why he wouldn't. That's also something to talk about is how he just would not. Shoot. So, um, you know, maybe this is a failure of the media. But, like, can you give me one instance of something that Ben Simmons worked hard at? Like, it's defense. also... He, he, he was a bad he, defender defense. coming out of LSU. You're right, you're right. He, he works bad. really hard at defense. Yeah. Okay. But like, you know, it almost seems like continually over and over, there's examples of Ben Simmons, like, acting immaturely and not taking this too seriously. And I'll give you defense. He has worked very hard at becoming an elite defender. But, like, you know, that... What's the... Okay, let me ask you this. What's the difference between Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel? Well, Matisse Thibel shoots. Isn't getting above paid 30%. $30 million a year. Good contract <laughs> for one. Right. He's, He's younger. willingness to shoot. I'll say a third option 
the expectations of them. Look, what Ben Simmons is expected to do to me is not made clear, or at least it's not realized, or he doesn't respect what he's being asked or to do, or else or, he's just not doing it. Or he doesn't care. I think that, that's that, the thing. That I don't think he just cares. If someone were to tell Ben Simmons, hey, I need you to A, give me at least eight assists, but more importantly, I need you to give me at least ten points a game. With however many rebounds you can get, fine. But give me those two things on this end and steals and blocks, do however you can do. Other than that, I don't care. If you if you were to average, average just slightly, I think you averaged 12 points in this playoff series. 12 points. Right. Like, not great. And, and, his, and, and, and uh, all-star Ben Simmons. See, his, his uh, all-star this year. First year, he averaged 15 points. He also received some all-MVP votes, which is like, what? It was interesting. But, uh, sorry, he received continue. MVP votes? All, all, all NBA, sorry. All, he received all NBA votes. Sorry, continue. Uh, no, I, That's clean. My defense of Ben Simmons will end here. I hope the 76ers don't do a bonehead move and sell him now. The media around him is clearly bad. Great values. Terrible. In the last, There's uh, no reason you can't just change who he is. And or wait on it. Wait for things to die down. People forget. Make, make, well, that's, make, that's, don't make in the offseason. Make it the deadline. That, if you're going to move Ben Simmons. Like, Ben Simmons doesn't put up bad regular season stats. Right. Maybe he will now because maybe teams will look at it and go, sick. Oh, yeah. And, it, you know, like, also, why did it take the NBA this long to figure it out? Hack-a-shack is, like, something. You could ask the most casual of casual NBA fans what Hack-a-shack is. They don't know. And they'll know. And, like, and, and the way Daryl Morey has hinted is that... I don't think Daryl Moore has any plans to trade him necessarily right now because he said there are 29 other GMs that would love to be in the same spot we are in right now. Oh yeah. And let's be honest, if they if, if they wanted to move him, they should they, they should have gotten James Harden. Like let's be honest, if they if James it Harden said Ben Simmons, it was also to get rid of or um, uh, they wanted both Maxi and Thibel and some draft capital. Exactly. Like, that's too much. That's too much. No matter how good James Harden is, that's too much. Uh, I don't know. I, that's you, too much. You, no, do, you do that trade, stop. you pick up some other random people. I bet we're watching a no, bunch no, of right. when, when, when you're looking down the barrel of that gun's decision, it is too much. But hindsight's a bitch. Oh, you exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. Because when, when that trade was happening, I was just like, who the fuck does the Rockets think they are? <laughs> right? Like, and I think a big part of why they took less from... Brooklyn versus, I do think that there's a little bit of like, let's stick it to Daryl Morey. We're not just letting Daryl Morey like, walk out of here. Hard yeah. with we're getting ours if we're giving up something to this guy. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, there, there's that whole aspect of it. And you're right. Looking down a barrel of that page gun, absolutely. <laughs> Again, you know, Harden instead of Ben Simmons on the team, you're in the Eastern Conference Finals right now. Yeah. And think, even if you don't and, get, even, in my mind, you're favorites for the championship. Exactly. This thing. I thought they were favorites before this. Even if you to if you fair. did that Ben that Ben Simmons to Harden trade and you lost Thibault and lost Maxi, okay, you might not have this year. Your chances are you're favored next year, and then you use the off season to retool as well. well like, don't discount. That don't. You also like, we got to think about it. It's more that trade would have been more than just this year. You would have had Harden and Embiid on the same team for years to come potentially. Then you can build that championship roster around. With what them. draft pick? You wouldn't have any pick. Yeah, you, 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 uh, people on the you, you could, you could, uh, you have other assets you could move to bring in not great draft picks, but I think you can get a first and a second. And uh, I think you know if you really are going full rebuild, 
<laughs> that's the no. That's the thing. That's the tough part about what the 76ers position was. Are you talking the 76ers yeah. or the rebuild? Okay, if you have a star player like Joel Embiid and you didn't want to give up Joel Embiid, but you wanted to get James Harden, that kind of eliminates your chances of getting a good draft prospect. But it's it's one of those things where it's just you know, and this is what basketball is becoming is you you know. There's basically almost two schools of thought in the league right now. You can either continue to build a solid team that's keeping its head above water and fighting for maybe a six seed. Classic Magic or a Chicago Bulls move. Right. Or you can say, we're going to cash it all in at once, and we're going to take our medicine afterwards. Okay, see. Right. And so it's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, you know, you do this, you get the James Harden, and then once you are past that, it's time to take your medicine. And, you know, it could have been long enough that these contracts don't even apply. But I think you could get at least a first and a second for Tobias Harris, right? I think you, and frankly, your Joel Embiid is going to be good for long enough. You can either get big, you can either get big draft capital for Joel Embiid, or you can just like keep re-signing Joel Embiid and keep your head at level. Joel Embiid's long, uh, young enough that let's let's say let's say after after it happens, Harden walks, right? Yeah. Or, or let's even go to the worst case scenario. Let's say after it happens, Harden walks and. Uh, Harden walks and Embiid walks, and now you have nothing. Do you know what you do have? $70 million in cap from those two. Yeah. You you don't win a I championship think, by just simply going through cap, the draft. You have to trade or get a star to sign with you. I mean, as much as draft picks are nice, it's going to take you a lot longer to win a championship right. by waiting on the draft than it is to say, all right, you know, you let's, go, let's, go, let's go trade it. If having cap made you a good, viable organization, the New York Knicks would be a fucking... They would be a tiny. Sure. No, no. I'm not saying. I'm not saying having cap is gonna all of a sudden you're there. But cap, when you are rebuilding, cap is a very valuable asset. Totally. Yeah. Totally and agree. so, like, you know, if, if they do walk and you have to rebuild from there, you have seventy million dollars worth of bad money you could take to get the draft capital you need for the rebuild. I get that. I get that. Well, we beat the hell out of the 76ers. Let's, um, let's praise the Hawks. I was going to say, let's just take a minute, and they're still in it, and they're uh, continuing to be impressive, but, like, holy shit, the Hawks. Oh, yeah, they are. I kind of had. I kind of thought they'd lose the Knicks. That's why I had a little bit of the We Believe Knicks. Knicks. But if you remember, when we were previewing this, I said, if the Hawks are on fire from shooting, they could. this could be a quick series against the Knicks. And it was. And as much as Trey Young's brilliance throughout the playoffs, and don't get me wrong, it's the entire team is playing well. Kevin Herter won game seven. Red Velvet just said just kept yes. backing down Seth Seth yeah, Seth Curry over and over and over and over again. I mean the team is well built. John Collins is playing well. Clint Capella is giving you fifteen and fifteen every night. Gallinari's and playing is, well coming on. And, and also you, is anchoring a, a yeah. defense that like it, it, the defense, to me, the yeah. most unbelievable thing is the defense. You also have no Cam Reddish and no DeAndre Hunter on this right. team as well. Who are your biggest defensive assets? That's yeah. why I'm so and impressed. Hunter, and Hunter's taken massive steps on the defensive on the offensive end this year, too. I think the Hawks, I don't know if this is as much like the Knicks. I, I, think, the, I think the Hawks are ahead of schedule right now. I and mean, Personally, I think they're playing on house money, and I think that's why oh, they're yeah. playing so well. It's because like, we're not supposed to be and here. Also, can they're I throw playing free. Is Trey Young the... Best player this playoffs. Like, can you think? Of, can you think of a player? Maybe Luca. Best player. I, mean, I don't. Just, I don't. just like as far as overall playoff performance. Giannis. You think Giannis is having a Booker. better playoffs than? Uh, right. I listen. No one flies the Booker flag quite like I do, and Trey Young is having a better playoffs than uh, Booker. Is. I would say, given what the other 
I'd, I'd say your top yeah. three would be Giannis, Booker, and Young, and I would say given kind of the expectations of the other two teams and like the roster itself, I think Trey Young is is. is I, 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 I totally agree with you that those are the top three, but to me, it's Young at number one and Booker and Giannis fighting for two. Yeah, I mean, look at the game last night. I don't know what the game plan, I missed a lot of it, with, but the Bucks were clearly like, we'll let Trey Young get his own and stop everyone else, and Young went 48. They basically said, we, we, trust, we basically said, we trust Drew Holiday to stop him, and he couldn't. Not last night. He got 34 shots. 34 shots is quite a bit. Made well, 17 of them. It's a lot of shots. That's... Yeah, that's that's fifty percent from the field. That's incredible. As as fifty uh, percent on thirty four shots, and that's more than the, that's more than thirty four shot attempts because he got fouled a lot. He did a lot of free throws. I think yeah. he ended up with like forty eight points. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he shot like forty eight points on thirty four shots is fantastic. Worth mentioning, he now joins only two other players to ever have forty eight points in a uh, I think playoff series in their first appearance. In their first playoff, like in their first playoffs. Uh, no, it can't be the first playoffs. What's the the other train? It's three points in first conference finals, maybe. I think probably conference finals. Is the other one is one of them Jordan and one of them Kobe. Kobe is one of them. Okay. Uh, Durant, another goat. LeBron, Alex Caruso, Bron, Bron. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Bron and Kobe. <laughs> I get them mixed up too. Forty <laughs> points, LeBron James in two thousand and seven. And then Kobe Bryant in 2001. So one Kobe. So one Kobe, bro. He's got some serious skills, and I love the simplicity of the Hawks' offense. It's Trey Young to shoot a it's, floater, it's, it's to shoot, shoot a, or a alley-oop to Clint Capella, to push it out to an open three-point shot. Or Again, I think we said this way. Everyone on the team shoots three-point shots but Capella. Right. Literally everybody. And, and everyone does it. The action. That everyone does it decently well, too. Like, Collins is a solid three three point shooter, especially when he can spot up at the corners. Um, it's a good team. I think they're playing with house money, and I think they're. I think when that Luka trade first happened after that rookie year, everyone was like, "Man, what the?" It's pretty struggle. Oh, yeah, they, they people, people were like, "Oh man!" But right now, I can't think. I cannot think of. I cannot think of a single trade in NBA history where. Both teams have won so much. I, like, give, I can think I'm of equal trades. I'm giving you credit because you called it at that trade. Both teams won on this trade. Right. Because and I didn't believe you at the time. I was like, nah, man. They got the, another the, pick the, for it. Right? Totally they got Cam Reddish. They got Cam Reddish. Who, exactly. Cam Reddish, is, you know, he's not there yet, but he's taking strides and is a great rotational piece. When he comes he, back he's, from injury next he's year. He's already a good defender. Right. And that's the, that's the more difficult thing to instill in a young player. If you defense. can get a defense. Defense on Trey Especially if you can get a defense around Trey Young, who, like, a way better defender than he should be, but it's still a well under league average defender. Yes, you are always a little, little, like, little, like, little like Kyrie. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> want to defend him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, all credit to the Hawks on this one. They are going through it with the 76ers. They hit it in seven games, collapsed by the 76ers. That I'm sure we'll find a, a couple of YouTube I mean, videos. 20. 26-point lead in game... A couple of them. In game... A couple of them. It was, what, an 18-point lead in game four, a 26-point lead in game five? I, I, I was... I forget if it was four or five, but I was watching one of these games at a bar, and it, they were up by, like, 26, like, near the end of the third, and I said, like, what? what's even the point? Right. right? Like, why... Like, I, I don't... And that's when I turned the game on. I, 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 might, I might as well save some money and go home. <laughs> and then... As I as I got home, 
the ESPN alert went off for a close game alert. And I was like, what, what? the fuck happened? What? <laughs> well, the, the, Clippers, or no, the, the Jazz had a 24-point lead against the Clippers and blew it, too. The, and the Bucks had a 17-point lead against the, the Nets and blew that. What I'm taking is that, and what, we should, what we've known, no lead is safe in the NBA. Not in the playoffs. with the three ball. People, yeah, I mean, you, you can go on. We see this all the time, 12-point run in the last 90 seconds. You do that, and you are right back in a game. Mm-hmm. Right back in a game. Because any, because once you're, once you're within finish points, you're like, well, you know, two threes, and we're, we're here. We're no. pretty, yeah. So. You can do that. I think, uh, uh, I think, I think Atlanta's got a new, uh, new team. Falcons, Goodbye. Yeah. It's all about the Hawks now. It's going to be a basketball city. And apparently, and, and, apparently, is, apparently is it weird apparently for Atlanta fans to watch an opponent blow a huge lead? Blow, blow a 25-point lead? <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> Matt Ryan is on the sidelines for the Philadelphia 76ers right now. I think, I think the Hawks are playing extremely well. And I would say top to bottom in the playoffs, the only team who's probably playing more consistent basketball is the Suns. And I said this last podcast, the Suns, it's some weird being nice about your Suns, Sam. They're, they're, they're playing the most consistent game of basketball right now. Everyone else has had their up and downs, but it feels like the Hawks and the Suns are kind of like status quo of the playoffs And so for far. as much as we talk about superstars, and both of those teams do have superstar level talent. It's, a, it's an emerging superstar. It, it's, what, what's keeping them in is for both teams who have like at least eight great rotational pieces. Yes. Right? And that, whereas, like, you know, the Lakers, I was scared of the Suns-Lakers, but it's one of those things where it's just like, hey. Once you get to that bench. Yeah. One, right. Once Caldwell Pope has to, like, start pulling his weight and he's not mm-hmm. in the bubble. He's not Jordan Clark. It was, yeah. I mean, I, yikes. So that was the 76ers Hawks. The, the Hawks have then moved on. Do we want to, the Brooklyn Nets versus the yes, Hawaii Bucks? Yes, I definitely do. Want to talk about that one? That um, was, uh, you know. It's one, you know, another seven-game series. Another seven-game series. Another great seven-game series. This Very is, weird. This is another series. one where I was drunk at the bar, and I think I remember I texted you. You guys. sing a theme here, listeners. <laughs> sing a theme. No, but uh, I, this is one where I text you, and Kevin Durant did. Uh, Kevin Durant a was uh, like quarter inch. His feet were a quarter inch too long to hit an awesome game winner. Well, apparently then, he wears his basketball shoes an inch bigger than his yeah. normals. But um, and then on top of that, uh, he the, he had the game winning shot and just like one of the ugliest air balls I've ever seen. Hey, he had he had like three seconds left. And, and you know, uh, I when I saw that happen, I was just excited that the Nets lost. Just you know, it, the Nets Nets play an important role, which they're the NBA's villain right now. And you know, mm-hmm. it makes basketball more compelling when you have a villain, but it also feels good when a villain loses. Yes. And so when he missed that shot, I remember vividly texting you guys being like. Uh, Kevin Durant just uh, wrote himself out of any goat conversations, right? And I'm going to stand by it a little bit that I wouldn't have even had the thought if the shot hit the rim. But then I woke up the next day, remembered watching the rest of the game, and looked at the stat line. I was like, bro, he put up 48 on great efficiency. And, like, the rest of the team didn't do do their job. And so, you know, it's one of those things where I don't, it, it was a fun. It was a fun feeling I had, but I will come clean and saying I don't believe what I said. That being said, okay, ball. If you need if Kevin Durant, uh, haters need a clip. Just be like, no, fuck this guy. Like, there you go. There it is. Right. He, don't he, get flattered. Get, games on the line. Uh, games on the line. He turns. 
And like I said, we're not even having this conversation if it hits the rim. It was a bad air ball. It was a bad shot. Rushed. Trevor Holiday with solid defense right. on it, fading away. Still had a couple seconds to make a better move, maybe. But it was a nursing series because the Bucks always get like blown out the first two series and then like barely won the next two and blew a lead Bucks, in the fifth game. Uh, Bucks and then, won game one. No, they lost. No, they, they were lost. down 0-2. Yeah, you're right. They were down 2 and I was. I remember talking to Mason. It was when Kyrie went out and like Harden was coming back. You know. Nets only needed two of them. I was like, the only, I mean, thing that I like, the Bucks' offense was not near as good in the next series as it was in the Heat series. Right. And my question was like, how are we letting, how are the Bucks letting one of the worst defensive teams in the regular season Credit beat my- this? How are, how are they only barely scoring 100 points against a shitty defense Credit like the Nets? Blake Griffin, and eventually Giannis figured out, but for the beginning of the series, Blake Griffin locked up Giannis. He had his number. Right. Yeah. Like... I don't know what it was, and everyone's looking at each other like, who the fuck saw Blake Ray? What the hell? Uh, here's here's a funny thing that started happening in that series, and I hope more teams start doing this because I do think it's absolute bullshit that the league's just allowing this to happen. But I love that all the Nets fans started counting whenever Giannis takes a free throw. It's <laughs> in the rules that you can't take more than 10 seconds, and I don't think he's ever taken less than 10 seconds. He literally, there's literally a it's all, also, out there. also, like, no, I'm not saying that's against the rules, but, like, why, why, are, why, are, why, why, why are we enforcing this in the playoffs? Because it's fucking annoying. I don't want to see... There's, okay, why Why would we have a rule for the regular season that we stop enforcing in the playoffs? And furthermore, I've seen it called on other players. Few and far between. That's because other players follow the rules. Dwight Howard was notorious for it. Dwight Howard had to speed up his free throw motion because they kept calling him on it. He's getting superstar treatment. Yeah. If Giannis was not reigning MVP Defensive Player of the Year... The league would have something to say about it. And the other frustrating thing is he takes all his time, and it's not like he's great at free throws. He, he, like, he, if he took all his time and was shooting 90%, and then when he sped up, he started shooting, like, 60%, I would see him go, I get it. He was a 78% free throw shooter three seasons ago. It's a lot. I don't know what did, did, did he bulk his way out of a free throw shooting? He point? might. I, like, that's an actual thing was, people talk about, still, that when people get too strong, still, they lose their shooting. Was, I mean, we have saw that with LeBron a little bit, but he was still... Big three years ago. He's not this big. He's a big dude. Yeah. He's a big dude. <laughs> like he hasn't stopped. He was, lifting, he, he, he was more wiry back then. Oh right? yeah. Like don't get me wrong. Always a strong guy. But and it's like, a lot to do with the elbow. If you yeah. really look at his elbow, he really tries to focus it in strong. When you start to think about something, yeah. you start to try to over you overthink it. And that's unfortunately what he's kind of formed into. You think he'd ever shoot game grain style? Well, if he started shooting grading style, he'd become one of my favorite players. Him and him and Ben Simmons. Yeah. I honestly, I've done it just for funsies. It's pretty effective. So, the, you know, who was the uh, Barry? Uh, uh, Rick Barry. Rick Barry. Like when Rick Barry, seven percentage three point sh- or free throw shooters of all time. Right, and three when they asked Rick Barry about the three point line is Jackson. When they asked Rick Barry style. about it, and he said, "Why like do you shoot better like this? Oh, why do you shoot like this? Do you shoot better?" And he goes. If you are shooting around at an open gym, you will shoot the same shooting, and you work on both, you can shoot the same shooting overhand and shooting underhand. But when you shoot underhand, there's less degrees of freedom in that degrees motion. Of freedom. There, like, there are less moving parts to go wrong, and when you're tired and trying to focus, the less things that can go wrong, the better you're going to be. Like, you know, if if you if a NBA player is just going to show up from the beginning of the game and shooting warm-ups, there's no real advantage to granny style. 
Nope. Maybe there would be for a guy who's clearly in his head like Ben Simmons. Yeah. I, it, or remember when Markel Fultz used to double clutch him? Oh, he looked like Charles Barkley on his backswing. Oh, just. Oh, no. What is he doing? <laughs> also, Markel Fultz worked his way out of it. And that's the worst case of the hits I've, the hits I've ever seen in basketball. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you just change the uniform and move on, which yeah. we'll see if that happens. Uh, Brooklyn Nets. They had a, a tough, tough break at the end, which. Let's not say it was they had four, unexpected. They had four playoff minutes of all three of their big three. Yeah. They only had four minutes to go. And so, you know, it, you know I'm, I'm not a guy who believes in asterisk, right? The game happens. Like, they weren't cheated. Like, yep. they was just a bad break of luck. But anyone who says, like, this exposes them, it really doesn't. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> the same argument for the Lakers is going to be used for the Nets. Yeah. If they were healthy... Differences would be. You can say about the Raptors championship. Yeah, Half the Golden State was hurt. Yeah, the Warriors were healthy. But, and, you know, if the Warriors are healthy, the, Raptor, healthy. the Warriors are healthy. The Raptors are, are healthy. Getting swept if the Cavs are healthy. Right, but, like, you know, it's it, a completely fair argument, and I'm fine with that argument of, like, a what if. Like, I, where, I, always where I have a problem is when, you know, an opposing franchise will say, like, the franchise who didn't benefit it will say, well, yours doesn't count because we weren't healthy. Unless, like, unless someone on the team pulls on Nancy Kerrigan and, like, actively breaks the legs of one of your players, like, tips, that's not their fault, right? Zaza. Like, <laughs> Zaza. Sorry. <laughs> it, um, I mean, it, a bitch. It, it, I mean, and he'll be back, and they're going to have Witty, although he declined, the first, he declined his uh, player option. So we'll see what happens with him. Where should I go next? Uh, or you know he could have declined the player option to free up cap so they can sign someone uh, they can sign someone to lose cap and then get a longer term deal with them later. Like it's a thing that good teams should do. Yeah. Like if you have a player that you know, like you the like the GM and the player are tight and they're cool and they both know that the other one's not going to take them. Like that's totally something teams should do. Understand? Back to that whole contract thing. Yeah. The less money you can take at a single point in the given season helps out the team. Right. If you really are about team success, you're yeah. able to stretch your contract, make sure you understand how much your value is, make your money. Totally agree with that. But just do it in an efficient way. Well, he can even he can even sign a bigger contract than what he was going to get, and they'll still get the cap. Because the way it works is they, they have, just they, paid Joe Harris. They have. They have his bird rights. They, did. they just extended Joe Harris. Yeah. They haven't started paying him yet, but starting next year. Okay. But they have his bird rights, which means they can take the cap that was tied to him, spend it on someone else, and then because of the bird rights, they can uh, re-sign him, and his comes out of the luxury tax. Because you can't just sign players off the street into the luxury tax. you got to do weird trade exemptions or uh, like bird rights and stuff like that. There's a lot of weird things. But, you know, because those things exist... You should be taking advantage of them. So, you know, I just recently learned, fun fact, uh, bird rights are, like, in my mind, I was just always like... Larry Bird. Yeah, in my mind, I was like, is that because, like, they're a flight risk, like a bird? And it's because the, like, first contract structured with bird rights was Larry Bird. Yep. I just learned that. They wanted to keep him, and they're like, we still need draft assets, yeah. and we need to be able to continue to sign our players, right. but not hit our cap, and that's really how the whole thing started. Yeah. There's also a lot of cool rules named after players. Yeah. Rose rule. 
Soon to be the Giannis rule where they are uh, teams are allowed to start putting a count, uh, count on the scoreboard for uh, one uh, player takes a long shoot free throws. The league stops the Nets from doing Stop it. Them. They're like, they're like you, you, you can't do that. I don't, I don't even remember Giannis' free throws taking that long last season. Because they didn't have a shot clock. Well, but, also, <laughs> but also they definitely did. Definitely did. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's been his entire career, but this isn't a season problem. And as a player, as a person who has a player who sucks at free throws, it's frustrating. Okay, you you want to you want to talk about stoppage game? The fact that the last Nets Clippers game, the last three minutes of that game took over th- over half an hour. It was rough. Like, and eight reviews in under wait, two minutes. Nets Clippers. The net Phoenix clip Phoenix yeah. Clippers like yeah. eight reviews. Oh. It's it's excessive. Uh, it's ex- it ruins the flow watch. of the game. To watch. It ruins the f- and I know you know you got the timeouts and the fouls, but when you're going to the camera every other play, like there's got to be you should be able to call in and sell and people Elam looking ending. at that monitor and immediately be like no or yes. The, the Elam ending is how you do that. Yeah, I'm I'm a big proponent of the Elam ending, which nobody wants to do because traditions. Of- Elam ending also makes I think comebacks one of the most fun things that happen in sports and Elam ending makes comebacks always possible. Yeah. Always. Because you know, if you are down twenty five with less than a minute left, like it is pretty much impossible. If you're down twenty five and one point away from the Elam ending, still possible. Yep. Right? Like not probable. Right. Like not mathematically yeah. impossible. Yeah. I think we've talked about this. The only thing you, you the free throws I think it you take away a point from the other team because that's how the All Star game I ended on a free throw. It's like I, you don't, but you don't want to see a game end on a free for, throw. For the All Star game, I'm for it. I think that uh, the Elam, I think that the Elam ending uh, free throws, uh, you should be able to end on a free throw Elam ending for like you know things that matter towards a record. Because if you're playing that bad disciplined basketball where like one point left, you foul them. Yeah. I do think that's a, something you should be able to lose. Or. You, you think they'll just end up like foul, 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 foul. I mean, you'd be losing points. Why would you foul, foul, foul? Uh, it's, so it's, that it's, they it's, don't it's get, not, get a It's not even that. It's that, like, if you make that mistake in the critical point of the game, like, I think that should be something you can lose over. It, it I used just, to be just, one of those things where it's like, if you make a mistake in the critical part of the game, like, missing a shot with one second left, that's, you know, something you can lose over. But I do think that when a player fucks up, when the game's on the line, I don't think that you should say, well, now it's just a little harder to win. I just, I, I just think I, I'm it, all for it I think during it's, the All-Star game because the All-Star game is yeah. strictly something made for fun. It's for fun. But when records matter, like when a team's record matter, and also, frankly, it brings you, you know, you're one point away. Like, it does almost sort of bring the uh, hack of Simmons back because you can say, we'll gamble on losing points. Yeah, like, right? Like, you'll, you'll get one, not two. I, I, I don't think but, you we'll, know. See, we'll see the Elam ending go into... Uh, because like every I don't say never, but not soon. Sport, yeah. Basketball is one of the most forward about instituting changes. They're not afraid to. No, looking at you, baseball. <laughs> right? Who are still who are still you know bitching about unwritten rules about hitting a grand slam when you're up ten? Listen, no. Guys up there, he's gonna Guys, swing. We're not, we're, we're not a baseball podcast. <laughs> no, but you brought it up. I know exactly what you're talking about, but we're not a baseball podcast. We're not. I'll talk about you. I'll talk about that. We'll talk about that offline. We can align offline, like we're at work on a Zoom yeah. call. <laughs> so, 76ers out, Nets out. 
We got the Hawks and the Bucks. Hawks and the Bucks. Hawks took game one last night. Hawks took game one last night. Honestly, and the Bucks played well. Hawks. They beat played. Them. They played. Middleton did not shoot well. To conserve. They did not play their, I think, their sure. death lineups that they could have. They finally put Giannis at the five in the last couple of minutes. Huh. What do you know? He really dominated. Right. And, and, you know, because at that point, you're like, okay, do, he, we, do you go Capella? Do you go Kongwu? Do you try Gallinari or Collins? Right. And, and so, you know, I'm not saying that they have no upward, but we can't we can't say, well, the Bucks had a bad game. They played a good game. You know, if they play that well at the end of the series, through the end of the series... No one. I don't think they get swept. I think if they play that well, they beat the Hawks sometimes. The Hawks play. What I'm getting at is the Hawks played phenomenally. Yes. Right. Like they played well, which is going to be tough to do to replicate. But they seem to keep finding a way. Right. I mean, Lou Will eventually gets hot at some point. Right. Trey Young is, has a good game. They, they, they have. They have can you think of a time in this playoffs when they've crumbled under pressure? I the one game they lost to the Knicks. It's it's because they ha- they're the team with the least amount of pressure. You have the Bucks who has been loose. building for a couple years. You have the Clippers who's been building for a couple years. You have the Suns who are the number two seed, and then you have the Hawks who fired their coach in the middle of the season. Where so many games under five hundred, and well, just also, like also if you're a Patriots fan, and oh my god, if any right. of my Patriots fans are listening, yeah, I'm saying it. I want you just fucking punching the air right now. I was like, why did we fire him? What did you do? Like, it, w- this season made it very clear that he was not the problem. Honestly. Granted, they had a super in- a super injured team this year. But again, yes. I, like, yeah. I, so I don't even know you can call that old coach the good problem. That being said, when a coach like Rick Carlisle goes up, um, but Rick Carlisle came from the Pacers, too. I think, I you know, I'll be really excited to see what Rick Carlisle can do with this team. Because I do think Rick Carlisle is a phenomenal coach. He is. Well, might as well transition to that. Rick Carlisle with the Pacers. Uh, who the Boston Celtics hired? The uh, N- Nets assistant? Nets assistant. His first name's Nets EK. Assistant. I don't know his last name, and I don't want to mispronounce it. Uh, it, 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 it I, I could pick a guess at his last name, but I'd feel rude getting close to those cigar. Yeah. Also, Emma uh, Walker. Yes. So. Theoretically, the next was the next unmovable contract. Gone. If, if that move, that move, stays in a vacuum is very questionable. It does do some interesting things that if they can manage to uh, move Horford, that they like, it makes sense assuming you can move Horford, and also Brad Stevens is trying out first office for the the first time, and no one a lot of people said the same thing when he became a coach. He started doing crazy things, and someone said, that'll never work. He's one of those guys that's like, uh, Brad Stevens was one of the guys on the forefront of the analytics movement, and all of the people, all the, like, uh, I'll call them conventionalists, looked at him and saying, that'll never work, and it has. He hasn't been able to break through, um, and, you know, I do think that uh, coaching's, I think he's a great X's and O guy. I don't think that he is the absolute, like, best coach you can have when your team's coming down to the wire. I'm not sure he's a motivator. And I don't have enough evidence to show that, but, like, you know, his team will have the perfect game plan and just things won't fall their way in clutch time. And I think, you know, I think there is something to be said about a guy who can get the most out of his players. And, you know, it, when in big moments, Brad Stevens has it. I would agree, but I would also have the caveat of he's worked with a lot of young players. Sure. He's worked with a lot of pre Donna's. Yes, I'm but, sorry, Kyrie. I think you've had a lot of yeah. You know, but to opinion, go back to touch on the young players, he also came from a college system where everybody's a young player. Fair. 
Fair. So you didn't have to deal necessarily with the egos as much. Well, also, what, what was the big move that was like Taylor picked for him was they made the Gordon Hayward trade, and you know, Gordon oh, Hayward was rough. Gordon Hayward game one of the season out for the rest of the season. And when Gordon Hayward came back, you know, solid rotational piece, but not Gordon Hayward. So it right? took him at least a another, year to get back to where he wanted to be. Another and what then, if? Oh, I mean, he's still doing well. I think. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, if he didn't. This was actually was like. a big reviving year in his career, and yes. we were all critical at Orange, like, why are you paying him this much? And I'm looking at it and going, get it. Yeah. I, I, I still don't know if I would have done it, worked but out. I, yeah, I, I'd say thankfully it worked out, because it could have been another Nicholas Batum situation. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But, uh, also, you know, while we're talking about the Hornets, another thing that everyone shit on the Hornets for was why are, no, no, no. <laughs> why are you not paying Kemba? Why are you letting Kemba walk instead of maxing him? And you know, hindsight, what a great decision. Yeah. If Kemba was still in Charlotte, then they probably don't draft LaMelo. And Kemba's probably still putting up the numbers because there's no one else in Charlotte. But uh, to uh, get, you did, obviously Boston get, didn't get the Kemba that they thought they were going to. On that to. note, I think, I think Sam Presti, like, you know, like the mythical image of a dragon where they just get treasure and they just sort of sit on it. it. Yeah. I just imagine Sam Presti naked in his home, sitting on top of like I'm sure there's some sort of like legal document that entitles you to a pick, right? Like, so I'm sure he's just sitting on top of the legal documents. She's like, my precious, <laughs> right? Like, at this point, it's, it's all it's very impressive what he's done. He just continues to do it, so I don't know if there's an end game to it. I wonder if it's just one of those things where he's like, what if I'm just always the guy with picks? So the Thunder going to trade SGA for a first rounder here in like three seasons? No. No, we just traded Moses Brown too, which kind of made me sad because I liked him as a prospect, I will say. But also also the Thunder have proven time and time again to be an uh, uh, organization that takes a player that people have written off or vitalizes and get trade value out of them. Gas and Kemba's tank still. Oh yeah, right. Like you could. Oh yeah, that's the beauty of buying low, baby. Right. If, 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 low. if they run a Sam Presti special on Kemba Walker, they can probably get two firsts out of them. A next lot year. of people wonder how <laughs> Kemba's going to be. An, I mean, Kemba's a shoe in for All Star next year. <laughs> <laughs> and I Almost every I team gets one. Yeah. I don't Might hate. Well uh, I don't hate like bringing in these older guards to kind of Tutor. mentor and tutor SGA, and teach. Man, he's, SGA. His whole he's already a great. Uh, he's already a fantastic point right. guard as is, and then you got Chris Paul, kind of the more you know assist, rhythm, flow, like flow of the game type of guy. And now you're bringing in Kemba. Maybe SGA learned some Kemba. moves from Kemba. I well, don't know. The, I mean, the biggest, you know, no one, no point guard is better in the half court than uh, Chris Paul. Kemba, I'm not gonna say he's the best in transition, but Kemba has a much better transition game than Chris Paul. And so I think it's one of those things where between those two, if like that's who you learn from, that's a very rounded offense yeah. for a point guard. Mm-hmm. SGA is athletic enough to get out into transition. Uh, you know, Chris Paul played great transition through portions of his career. But, you know, he's, what was it, 36? 36 now. Yeah, he's 36. No one's expecting him to be the guy who sprints up the floor. He's got other players, he's got other young players on this Phoenix Suns team to do it for him. He makes the outlet pass. Oh, I hope. Jesus. I, I just hope this all comes to fruition with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and we don't just keep sitting here saying, "Man, I can't wait to see the Thunder," and I, I can't al- wait to see I the Thunder. I almost kind of hope it doesn't. I a little part of me just likes the idea of it just always being a thing. 
Like, that would just be like, because I'm not a Thunder fan, that'd be a good NBA <laughs> Right? Like, it doesn't get sad for you. You're just like, no, it's fine. Um, Austin wasn't in the lottery, were they? Of the draft? They weren't until they gave of. away their pick. Okay, because I wasn't 16th. sure. Cause, it cause, was 16th though. Because we brought up. Yeah, they won the lottery. They're yeah, pretty they're locked. Locked. I think yeah. Sam brought up the point, like, what is Boston going to run at point guard next year? I mean, you have Marcus Smart, but he's not, your, he's not your traditional point guard. You have Romeo Langford, who's a good defender, but he's. I mean, not what you're looking uh, for. So, Peyton Pritchard. He's a nice story, but is he really going to be your guy moving forward with Tatum and Brown, or do they need to? Schroeder's available, probably. And you just freed up. You buy. You know, the big thing that that Horford thing did was it freed up a little bit of cap. And what about can ten move million? Twenty. Twenty. Uh, I picking up forty million. Oh, uh, sorry. Twenty over two years. Sorry. Twenty over two. So you you saved about ten a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and so that, but uh, so. For, also, you know, if you, you have to sit on here, Horford, A, Boston loves Horford. It'll be a great victory lap. But B, his contract next year is not fully guaranteed. So it could potentially save a lot more in cap. Um, or, you know, like I said, in a vacuum, this is a weird trade, but that's because this cannot be in a vacuum. And I do not think that Horford finishes the season in Boston next year. Who takes him? I don't know. Try to do a, I give more assets up to I don't take know, the player I, that you just gave up assets for. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I didn't know who was going to take him in the first place. So I here's here's the thing. They took him because they got something out of it. I granted it was just to save some money. They got something out of it. If you're going to give him up again, you have to find the deal that at least doesn't he, make he, you give he, up he, assets. He, he could be some great salary matching for somebody on a rookie sale deal. Twenty-five million, thirty, almost thirty million. Uh, yeah. So you, you know, you give up someone on a rookie scale deal and take back someone making eight to ten, and then you can get, uh, then you can get like a fifteen million dollar contract. Twenty-seven million. Jeez. Like, uh, let, let, let me let me look at Boston's payroll real quick. Al Horford was only making twenty-seven and a half million through this season. It, uh, one thing Philly, one thing Philly did, which did, uh, which actually makes him more mobile, is they front loaded his contract. Okay. Um, uh, Aaron Naismith, Grant Williams, Luke Cornett, uh, Robert Williams, now uh, Moses Brown. These are yeah. all these are all pieces that can be moved that are rookie scale deals that are hard to trade for, and you can now you know use him as salary match and take back a less bad contract. Right, that you know, if uh, and especially if you were to trade, especially if you were to trade for with a team like uh, uh, Detroit, and I don't even know who I'm thinking about coming off of Detroit, but if you're trade with a team like Detroit who has a bunch of like medium sized contracts of decent players that clearly aren't the future, um, and I don't, I don't have a player in mind, but that's just the first team that came to mind that fit this scenario, or um, or here, here, how about this? What if you're willing to give up one more first, right? And you give Horford and a first for Kevin Love and um, Dylan Windler? Like, not one of the young core, but there's a Deal. lot of young players. There's a lot of young players. If you're, a Cavs, Deal. If you're a Cavs, yeah. Deal. Love it. Love it. Cavs. Love it. Yeah, no, fuck yeah. But, like, at, at that point, if you're trading because you're down... 
because you're behind, that you're in a bad way. And sure. I think Boston I, feels I, like they're in a bad way, even though they're really tired. I, I, I think that's what I'm saying is I think we're all looking at Horford. For me, like that's an unmovable contract, and you cannot trade Horford for something. I wouldn't but think you could want to. But you can attach Horford to an asset to be able to bring in a bigger contract. Okay, okay, I get that, I get that. You want to sign them on because have you extended Jalen Brown already? Have you extended Jason Tatum already? Both of them. You both extended, so you're you're looking for your third star, and you're hoping that it's whoever you can get for Al Horford in a pick. Uh, what what if you were to attach uh, Smart to Horford, and that would be thirty? That would be forty three million dollars, and you can get back a thirty million dollar contract. Trying to go after Damian Lillard or something? Um. Maybe CJ. Right? Yeah, I mean, at that point, why do you have... Like, you know, you're, it's one of those things. Boston's not hurting on defense. They're also trying to They're, resign the, uh, DJ Augustin for some reason. Who is? Boston. Boston. I mean, if, they, if you can get them for cheap, that's fine. But, um, you know, it, McCollum can be a primary ball handler. He's proven it when Lillard's off the floor. It's never been his role, but he can be a primary ball handler. Um, but, uh, like, and then, frankly, uh, Smart cleans up a lot of Portland. Right? And then, you know, now Smart had, now, yeah, now, you, now you have Horford. I, I, Portland has a lot going on for it right now. Well, I think defense is a big part of it. Their defense was so bad. It's, it's not a use of Nurkic. You were at least, oh, okay, at certain points, yes, I guess they were injured. It's um, not even Zach defense. Collins is coming back. It's, no. not, even, it's not even defense because they've got decent big defense and good wing defense. It is backcourt defense with McCollum and Lillard on the court. Any team with a viable offensive backcourt can score at will. Fair. And so, you know, that's why they can always put up a decent uh, regular season record because there's plenty of teams they can beat. But that's why they always lose in the first round because playoff teams can usually scheme for how do we attack the guard spot. And so I think Smart clears up a lot of that. Okay. Okay. I mean, he makes what? 20? 13. 13? 13. Right. Super team friendly contract for that player. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you couldn't do you couldn't do CJ for Smart straight up. CJ's making 30 some. He, he's making a good bit. He's yeah. Making, he's making some money. Do you want to touch on the uh, the NBA draft lottery since that was uh, two nights ago? Now, um, I would like to just a little bit. A little bit, okay. Or as long as you want, but I definitely have a little bit. I'd like. To yeah, we, we we got some time. Okay. We'll just uh, run through the uh, what's the lottery? The lottery Suns Clippers lot- series at all? I I, I I thought we were only doing second round. Are we doing third round. Sure. Sure. I mean, we talked a little bit about the Buck Talks, but okay. we don't necessarily would, need to. Yeah. What what what's to talk about? Suns up two zero. I'd say Suns up two zero. Look good. No CP three back for game three. No Kawhi is done. Um. Yeah, I would I would expect the Suns to finish the job. Not in four, but they'll finish the job. Um. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Kawhi and CP3 both play the whole series, and it's a much more interesting series. Uh, it's a, a drag-out, knockout fight. We have seven. counted out uh, Kawhi-less uh, Clippers before. I know that's a dangerous game. I do think that 
the I do think that the Suns, uh, you know, the Jazz was built to beat certain teams better than the Suns beat, but I think the Suns is built to beat more teams, right? I think there are teams that can blatantly exploit the Jazz, but then there's other teams that can do nothing against the Jazz, whereas I think the Suns are more well-rounded that, you know, they've got they've got an athletic big who can uh, run uh, who can uh, run the pick and roll with CP3 and who can also hold his own uh, and anchor the defense. They've got some of the best wing defense in the league. And, uh, all that wing defense comes with decent shooting. They've got Devin Booker, who is only because Clay Thompson only because Clay Thompson is injured this season because this is always Clay Thompson's award. Devin Booker has uh, scores the most points per touch of the ball than anyone else in the NBA. He's just super efficient this year because the, uh, he doesn't have to do it all. And then you have CP3, who no one runs an offense rather than CP3. I just honestly, I'm not saying this is an unbeatable team. I'm saying that there's no one scheme that I think this team is weak. They definitely have their bases covered. They've, they've got a good uh, flexibility to them, yeah. which you know helps against all the teams that they're playing against. However, if you do run into a just star-studded, smack you in the mouth team like the Lakers at full strength, the Clippers at full strength, one of these the Jazz at full strength, they could probably find themselves in some trouble. Of the of those teams, the Jazz is the only one they lost the season series to. They beat the Clippers and Lakers more times than not this season. I don't know about the Lakers as a health. I, 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 I can vividly remember like early in the season the Suns beating the full strength Lakers because it was back before. They did, and then they had an AD and LeBron list Lakers, and they lost by 20. <laughs> well, again, they also lost to the Pistons. Like, uh, again, don't put a whole lot of um, regular seasons of funny uh, of weight into like regular season theories because you just don't know who's going to be playing on that night. Is it a back to back? Is it a last game Schedule of a long off. road trip? Yeah, a bunch of those things. But I again, I think we all are see the the Suns moving through to uh, the finals here. So you know, I'd love to talk about the draft lottery. I'd also love to later talk about the draft, but it's. Too early for there's too many G League prospects, so everything I know about the uh, draft is players I watch play it's, college. It's college based, yeah. And uh, also, it's too early to really have a good feel for who's going for what. Yeah, okay. we, we can just go through yeah. the, uh, you run through the yeah. So the, the lottery is what the first 14, 12 picks. Uh, I have I'm looking at just the lottery, right just now. the lottery. Yeah, so, so we got uh, Detroit, Houston, Cleveland, Toronto, Orlando, OKC, Golden State via Minneapolis, Magic via Chicago. Sacramento, New Orleans, Charlotte, uh, San Antonio, Indianapolis, and Golden State. Golden State's got two. All right. So your magic. Um, looking at it, uh, which, I mean, obviously, Kate Cunningham's probably the number one option. Yeah. Uh, initial thoughts, I kind of, I'm a Toronto fan. I kind of like this spot. I think you're probably looking for a Kyle Lowry next guy up, and Toronto. you can get Jalen Suggs. So this is one of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, is they flatten the lottery order and will that discourage tanking? So when we look at, you know, did anything surprising happen in this draft? Granted, Temple has a one. Uh, Toronto moved the most out of any player from projected. Seven to four? Yeah, they moved three. Cleveland moved up two. Detroit moved up two. Houston moved down one. Orlando moved down two. OKC moved down two. State via uh, Minnesota moved down one. After the seventh pick, 8 through 14 went exactly as expected. Okay. So if you can tank to be a bottom 7 uh, team in the league, you are going to get a top 7 pick, according to this year's draft. And also, you know, the 
Toronto's really the only Toronto's really the only one who like beat the tanking system. The teams that tanked got good picks. Yeah, I mean yeah. you like, cannot it, blame the tanking strategy on this year's you know. And and I don't fault anyone for tanking, and I know why the league tried to do away with it. Yeah. But all I'm saying is like. And granted, you know, if this truly is a lottery, the league doesn't have control of how well it's going to result, and this is a sample size of one. But I'm saying, looking at this, you have done nothing to de-incentivize tanking, and all you've done is basically, you know, you've given bad franchises a night of big hope, where there used to be draft lottery before the odds were flattened. Like, Detroit was like, maybe we can get the first, but, you know, Detroit had no reason to believe they wouldn't get the first. Right. And they did. Whereas, you know, it before... Houston would have been feeling a lot better. But, you know, yeah. the difference between a first, second, and third pick is definitely a big deal. But, it, you know, it's not so big that you wouldn't tank to get a third pick. Right? There's, like, there's definitely... A, I feel like once to, you fall outside, like, the top five to seven, you kind of see... Depends on the draft Depends class. on the draft. But I a couple think years ago, it was a two-player draft. Yeah, I think, I think in a general... A bunch of good role players came out of that draft, yeah. but, like, Zion and Jai are the two stars. Yeah, I feel like I feel like in general, like, if you're going for that star, you need to be in the top five. And then every once in a while, you'll find a star at 13 or whatever. I mean, what, Giannis was 13, Donovan Mitchell was 11. Um, he was at C.J. McCollum, like, in the second round or something like that. Um, Evan Booker was nine, nine I, I think. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, uh, Cam Johnson was a uh, top ten pick, and you know, has been very good. Like I won't shit on that pick, and you know, any other top ten players have done a lot worse. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, among them, his college teammate Kobe White, who like <laughs> still has potential, but hasn't shown me a lot. Granted. Very different system. Very, Very different expectations. Yeah. All right, boys. What do you got for uh, worth mentioning? Um, I've got a great Hall of Fame tweet. Um, I'm, I, I remember what the tweet said, but I'm going to look it up real quick because I want to give credit. I bet it's a Suns tweet. It is. <laughs> Shocker. By Chris Hansen, RCF. It's Evan Booker. This is after uh, this is after Game One of the Clippers series. Devin Booker shot 31% and got carried to win by a center. He truly is the next Kobe. Oh, yeah, you sent that one out. That's that, that just a good tweet. That is fun. You got one? Uh, tweet or worth mentioning? No, worth mentioning. I personally Nothing don't we haven't that seen or talked about yet. Uh, well, I now have... Uh, here's something fun. I now have something in common with all three goats of uh, NBA history. Uh, I was born in Akron like LeBron. I will be attending the University of North Carolina like Michael Jordan. And I'm an unathletic-looking white guy like Alex Caruso. If that soft brag is going to use me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought a soft brag was unathletic-looking. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Well, that'll do us for uh, here. At oh, thank off. you to our guest Sam for uh, stopping by on mm-hmm. tonight. We appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Peace.